Thanks for listening to the Secular Hubcast, a podcast made possible through a grant from the American Humanist Association. This show is a project of the Secular Hub, a Denver nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting community, altruism, reason, and education across the diverse secular community of the Front Range region. For more information and to become a member, visit secularhub.org. This is the Secular Hubcast. I'm your host, Paul Schilling. With me this week is Chauncey. Hello, Paul. Hello, Chauncey. How are you? Swell. You're sw- swell? <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> Sounds like you're a little mouthy. <laughs> That's Chauncey, ladies and gentlemen. He's all tongues. Just swell. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> I was going with well, yeah. then changed my mind. Well, swell? Didn't okay, come out so hot. Right. You been on a hot date or something? Or you, is your tongue a little numb? <laughs> I'm going to pass on that. No comment. No comment. All right. Well, for our younger listeners, if your tongue gets numb, there are a lot of reasons, none of which Chauncey is involved in ever. Um, anyway, uh, today we have a show for you action-packed, right? We, single-handedly, well, single-handedly, Chauncey and I, are going to cut down the Democratic debate contenders to 10. We're going to cover a little bit, not a lot, of debate one and debate two uh, with the goal of getting rid of at least half. Chauncey, can you get rid of half? I think I can get rid of half. Can you get rid of more than half? Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. If you had to pick two, could you do it right now? Or are you going to... Two would be hard. Two would be hard. Yeah. yeah. I think two would be hard. Okay. But let's start in. Let's start in with day one. All right. Okay. So I'm going to go in order that I see it on my screen, and Chauncey is going to add their designation. Uh, contestant number one of day one, Bill de Blasio. Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York City. Number two, Tim Ryan. U.S. representative from Ohio. Uh-huh. The distinguished. And a challenger for Nancy Pelosi's House leadership seat in 2016. Aha. That takes some balls. It does. Nancy Pelosi's a big wig. She is. Big fish. Yeah. Okay. Julian Castro. Julian Castro, former U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development and San Antonio Mayor. Wonderful. The distinguished Cory Booker. Cory Booker, U.S. Senator from New Jersey, former mayor of New York, New Jersey. Newark, New Jersey. Okay, I was going to say <laughs> New York? No, sh- okay. And currently dating Rosario Dawson. That's, That's what I've heard. That's Hello. Impressive. She is smoking. Okay. If I'd of, known she was available. Yeah, really, yeah. Maybe when he becomes president, right? So she'll be like, I can't date the president. That's a little, that's a little much. Speaking Fingers of smoking crossed. hot, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, U.S. Senator from Massachusetts. And not to be left out, Beto O'Rourke. Beto O'Rourke, former U.S. Representative and Senate candidate from Texas. Amy Klobuchar. Amy Klobuchar is U.S. Senator from Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh, yeah. That's my home state, you know. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I go out in a boat, do some fishing. (laughs) Nice. Mostly for eel pout, but sometimes walleye. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard, U.S. representative from, oh, excuse me, from Hawaii. 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 
Jay Inslee. Jay Inslee is governor of Washington. Uh, John Delaney. John Delaney, former U.S. representative from Maryland. Currently unemployed? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is he one of those guys where it's like, the economy works for the top one, but not for everybody? Is he the everybody? <laughs> Possibly. Okay. No. Okay. So day one, Chauncey. Day one. What do you think? What, what, just like if you had to pull out a thought out of wherever you pull out thoughts, right? I, you know where I pull out my thoughts. But if you had to pull out a thought, what, what would you say about debate number one? I would say that the candidates that I think I knew the most about did well. There were one or two that stood out from the pack, and the rest kind of fell into the background for me. Yeah, yeah. Of the two days, I would say that I think day two had the more well-known and perhaps some of the stronger candidates. But day one was interesting, too. Day two has my pick, if I had to pick. Yeah. But let's stick to day one. Okay. Okay. So who didn't make it? Let's get right down to the to the nitty gritty on this one. All right, you for picked me, the first one that didn't make it. Okay, that sounds good. Jay Inslee. Jay Inslee. It, okay, why? Just out of curiosity. I just felt like he was uninspiring to me. He was uninspiring. He, I think, has been described as an activist candidate, kind of a single issue Indeed. type candidate. Green. That's right, and I can appreciate that and think that it can add some valuable fodder for the national conversation but as a potential candidate for president i don't think he would be high on my list yeah i love that he is an advocate for the climate i love that he is actively working to better the climate for the next generation and the ones after that as well because it's really not for the next generation right it's like for six generations from now that they're really going to see the huge benefits of what we do today um he had a lot of good things to say, but I agree. He didn't make it. Um, he just isn't well-rounded enough. He was a little too one-dimensional. He certainly yeah. was fiery and passionate when he spoke, but it just wasn't enough because everybody's fiery and passionate. Yeah. All right, so loser number two, Bill de Blasio. Bill, I'm sorry. What was it about him? You know, all of his policies sounded good. I thought he stole the stage in many occasions. He... Is a he's a little too one-dimensional as well. He's got executive experience, uh, so that's good. He is refresh us again, governor of New York, mayor of New mayor York, mayor of New York City, mayor of New York City. Yes, um, definitely sounded like a New Yorker, right? He was cutting in, he was getting in there, jabbing, punching. He did a good job, I thought. He brought up a ton of great points, um, but we expect that from everybody. All these guys brought up great points. I yeah. mean, they all touched me in some way. Um, I just didn't see it as far as uh, just an understanding of policy. It was a little bit thin. I think I came in with some preconceived notions about him. I've got a friend from New York who was pretty vocal about feeling that he should focus on New York for a while. Sure. And that even there, he wasn't necessarily doing the greatest of jobs. It is New York. Yeah. It's a tough place. All right. Number three. All right. So my next pick was Tim Ryan. I just felt like he was kind of invisible. He's the representative from Ohio. He was making a lot of points about how he comes from a part of the country that is not well represented by a lot of the other candidates, and I could appreciate that, but I felt like he didn't stand out enough with, interesting enough, perhaps policy prescriptions to make me look very hard in his direction. 
Yeah, you know, I thought he did well. He he spoke eloquently. Um, he was a little bit, um, I thought, too aggressive this early on to be kind of a no-namer. I really liked some of the other slash no-namers approaches that were just more level-headed and direct. Um, as far as his policy, again, it was kind of it was kind of thin. I think he's kind of maybe a one or two topic candidate, um, but I don't I don't know that he's going to have all the answers, and we kind of need somebody that has all the answers at least at least the most answers right if not all of them. All right, number four. Hmm. Hmm. This is hard. John Delaney, I'd say. Um. A lot of I heard people when I was watching this with some people. I heard people say that he was like too plastic looking, which I don't think is a disqualifier personally. Uh, but he kind of. Do you remember when Forbes ran and he has kind of that weird yeah. plastic face and it doesn't yeah. really move the right way? And you're like, is that Botox or are you def- like what's going on there? He kind of has that thing going on. So if if that's a deal breaker for you, I guess. Um, but again, there there were a lot of candidates. I, I heard a lot of echoing of Bernie. Mm-hmm. Um, propaganda from the from 2016. Uh, he's Bernie's really pulled the whole party to the left, and so all these people are saying kind of all the same things, like, "Oh, you get free education, and you get, and you get, you know, a public option, and you, you know all this stuff." Well, they're all saying the same things Bernie said, and they didn't really bring a lot of new stuff to the table, and and they're not bringing a whole the whole picture. I feel like they don't have the skills. Foreign policy, for instance, we didn't hear yeah. a lot about foreign policy, but. We heard a lot about jobs, and we heard, heard a lot about the working man. We heard a ton about the border, and we heard a ton about health care. And they all sound the same as far as health care and the border, pretty much. Yeah. So they, John just didn't stand out for me. He stood out for me a little bit. I felt like he was a somewhat knowledgeable fighter, and I think he kind of took on that mantle more than a lot of the other candidates. He had to do something to distinguish himself, given that he's not very well known. Did but you cut him? I Let's see. If I were going for... Five, I would probably cut him. You'd cut him. All I right. think so. We're in agreement then so far, right? You, all your picks so. I've agreed with. Okay. Yeah. Well, now it comes down to, well, I don't know. If, we're not necessarily going to keep five from each day, but this is, this is to me where it gets a little tough. Yeah. So my next one was Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, I didn't see that coming. No? No. I just, I just wasn't feeling her. Um, no? I guess I also have a little bit of maybe preconceived notions about her and some of her... Is that Bronson? Yeah. Bronson, stop wagging your tail. <laughs> stop being so happy and lovable. So, yeah, I think I have some preconceived notions about her. I think she came across pretty well, but going back to the idea of coming across as a bit plastic and maybe a bit too polished, she came across to me in that way, that she had clear answers practiced answers but for the most part they didn't feel or i didn't get that i don't know i don't want to say they weren't genuine but i can say that they didn't pull emotions out of me sure she didn't trigger the right stuff for you yeah okay well i also cut tulsi but for different reasons uh i thought she was she is the anti-war candidate that i've heard so far she was. She's a vet, and she wants to protect the vets, and she wants to get out of all these crazy wars, right? Now, I get that. I, I don't want to be in war either, but if we're going to pick one topic that I have the hardest time really walking through and figuring out in my mind based on, you know, sort of the moral and ethical underpinnings of it and where my stance is, it's, it's whether or not we should be at war. 
whether or not we should be going to war, whether or not we should be fighting wars. I, to, sometimes they seem like they're, you know, we can't just abandon all of our secular friends in the Middle East, all of our homosexual friends, all of our female friends, right? We just can't abandon them. But we also can't fight wars all the time either. So I, I just get stuck in my head. I'm like, I don't want those people to be repressed and suppressed the way they are yeah. in that country. But And they have other terrible policies. I mean, I don't think we go to... I personally wouldn't go to war for oil or, or resources. I would go to war for people's rights, human rights. So for me, war... It's a, it's. I'm already walking in circles in my mind, right? And I'm not even making sense. Tulsi missed the boat for me because... She only talked about she she relied way too heavily on her past military experience, I thought, and she didn't project forward enough about what she plans to do about things she She talked a lot in in uh, sort of open ended answers and not really anything definitive other than I don't like war, yeah, but Tulsi, how are you going to get us out of those wars? We know that if you just pull out and don't don't do anything after that, <laughs> that can be just as bad as staying right so it's it's touchy. Okay. Day one, do you have another cut? Let's see. All right, so the folks left for day one are Elizabeth Warren, Beto O'Rourke, Cory Booker, Julian Castro, and Amy Klobuchar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I think I'd like to leave them in. You want to keep them? Yep. Okay. All right. I would have. I, we're going to go with that, but I would probably cut Amy. Okay. Amy Klobuchar. Refresh us. Where is she from again? She's a U.S. senator from Minnesota. That's my home state. I know this is probably sacrilegious. There's some Viking somewhere that's yelling in, into the into his podcast or whatever. He's screaming at the. What? Do, what? Do you, I don't know. Your iPhone? Yeah, he's screaming into the iPhone. What? Paul from the Secular Hubcast, USOB. Um. To me, she she has all the same ideas pretty much as the other four. She she didn't stand out in any way and I, again, this is I know this is the first debate, but we didn't hear any practical things about what what are you going to do? I know you want to solve these problems, but she was an anti-Trump person. She jabbed at Trump early. I did appreciate that. She I think was the first person to take a stab at Trump in this debate. And uh, I did appreciate that. And I I do appreciate her fire and like I said, all these candidates had something good to say. Um, but she didn't make the cut. Is Minnesota part of the Midwest? It is. All right. It is the it is the the crown or the jewel in the crown of the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that Tim Ryan was sort of holding down that Midwesterner territory. I think Amy mm. Klobuchar, more than probably any other candidate, also kind of had that same appeal. Mm-hmm. I felt like she was a calm, clear, and down to earth communicator. So I liked her. I, and I didn't know much about her going in, but I yeah. felt like she stood out for me. The keepers are Julian Castro, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, Beto O'Rourke, and Amy Klobuchar. What do we have to say? Who's, who, who stood out for you the most? Who, who was the winner of those five? Or, or who is the one that you think did the best? Or I think there are names that are better known. And really, so long as they didn't mess up, mm. Um, they 
were kind of in okay shape. Mm-hmm. That, that said, I think there was maybe a little bit of a higher standard for somebody like Elizabeth Warren, but O'Rourke, Cory Booker, if, say, Jay Inslee messed up a little bit but otherwise did really great, people would be like, oh, fantastic, because yeah. the expectations are lower for him. And so I think my answer to that question is going to be tainted by that. I think Leon Castro did well. He came across as scrappy, knowledgeable, at least about some areas. Mm-hmm. And because he wasn't already one of those top tier candidates, I think that he managed to distinguish himself in ways that some of the maybe lower tier, some of the other lower tier candidates didn't. Right. Um, can't say that he did better, for instance, than Cory Booker, but I don't know that Cory Booker gained as much ground as, as Julian Castro did from where he started. Uh, I, I did think Cory Booker did fine. I think a lot of people had mixed feelings about Beto O'Rourke. I probably gave him more credit than a lot of other folks did. I sure. can't say it was his best performance, but I I was okay with how he did. I thought it was interesting that, that Julian and Beto went back and forth on immigration. I thought immigration really dominated the, the yeah. talking points. Um, and I... Personally, I'm not a. I don't really care that much about immigration. Like, I don't want kids dying at the border, being separated from their parents. So that obviously needs to be addressed. Um, that was happening under Obama, by the way. It, it's been going on a long time. I'm glad that it's come into light, but I'm just saying it's it's it definitely needs to be addressed. But immigration in general isn't really a big concern for me. And I thought that they spent a little too much time on that. So I kind of dinged Julian and Beto for that. Okay. It's like, look, guys, we get it. You, you know, you want to reform immigration. Julian, props, because you have an actual one paragraph in the law that you need to repeal and change, and that's your focus. I appreciate that. Beto had a more, we need to, he had that sort of talking point. We need to revamp the whole system. Well, that to me says less because, yeah, yeah. I need to revamp a lot of systems, right. okay? Um, but how? And Julian had a, a one-step fix that would get us to the next step. Right, so I thought Castro. If I was going to cut one more person, it would have been Beto, mm. only because um, he, he he didn't talk in in uh, in answers. Really, he he sort of redirected towards his specific talking points, and that brings Cory Booker to the table, okay. the first candidate to directly answer the question given to him. Four people were asked a question before they got to Cory Booker, mm-hmm. and four people didn't give the answer. They gave some predetermined speech, either an introduction to who they were, which I get if you're an unknown, and many of them were, or if you're trying to introduce yourself to people that don't know you, but answer the question. It's a debate. You were asked right. a direct question. Answer it, and then use the rest of your time, because you get like 30 seconds, right, to, to say, well, let me tell you a little bit about myself, you know, or something like that. But the first four questions were not answered. Cory Booker stood up on the plate, knocked one out of the park by actually answering the question. I don't even know what the answer was that he gave, but I'm I'm glad that he actually answered it. <laughs> what else about day one, my friend? So on the topic of Booker, mm-hmm. I, speaking of preconceived notions again, I also sort of came in with some preconceived notions of him. I have liked him for quite a while, but I don't think he handled handled himself especially well during the Kavanaugh hearings. I think he had some prejudgments that he came in with, and so I'd written him off a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that he really handled himself well during the debate. 
Yeah, I thought he. I thought he did well. He didn't have enough substance to what he was saying. Again, there weren't as many answers. There were more. Here's what's wrong with the system. We need to do this, and he would make some sweeping generalization. We need to change this. It's like, all right, well, how? And I'm a big how guy, right? Okay, so we haven't talked about her yet, but I think she probably led the debates, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Um, I think she's the shoe-in. I don't think that it's it mattered as much how she did yeah. as long as she was there. Uh, that being said, uh, I think she did very well. I think she was scrappy. I think she answered the questions for the most part. She also she was one of the four people asked a question in the first four questions that dodged. She did not answer the question. But once the Cory Booker sort of broke the ice by answering a question and people started answering questions, she had good answers. They had substance. You know that she has actual plans of action, and she refers to them often in her answers. Uh, what was your take on Elizabeth? And she was a she was a winner for you. I take it. I definitely didn't rule her out. I. I can't say that I drew a strong conclusion about her from the debate. Yeah. One thing that's in the back of my mind is I, I really do appreciate the policy prescriptions. I appreciate that she digs into the details and provides actual plans. But I also know that at some point I'll need to look at those plans in greater detail to assess whether or not they're really viable or whether or not they're plans where we're spending more money than we have. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I thought was interesting is... Um during these debates, sometimes they say, how are you going to pay for this? And I think in the first day they did say that. They said, okay, so you want to give – or no, it was probably during the Bernie Sanders because they were talking about free health care and free college directly to Bernie. They mentioned it in the first debates also. It was, um, you know, how are you going to pay for this? Uh, I found it interesting that nobody redirected that question <laughs> into an answer some, something like this, saying, does anybody ask how Trump – or how the Republicans are going to fund more army supplies. Does anybody ask how we're going to fund our military? They want to increase the budget for the military. And yeah, sometimes people say something about, well, where's the money coming from? But hardly ever, right? You don't hear it directly asked. At least I don't. Um, why are we asking where we're going to get the money to educate children and to revamp the border and to uh, make sure everybody is covered with their health care. Why are we asking that question? Rearrange the shit, make it happen. If you need money, pull it from the military, pull it from, you know, other other sources in our government. But I, if we want these things, taxes are going to have to go up for everybody. That's just a fact. I'm okay to pay for it. We're not we don't where is it going to come from? It's going to come from us. It's going to come from the taxpayers. I thought that was I don't know. That would just be my answer if I was one of these guys. I'd be like, why don't you go talk to somebody about our military spending? Don't ask me how I'm going to pay for education. The taxpayers are going to pay for it. They pay for all the stuff that I'm talking about. They pay for all this stuff. We're just going to have to pull it from somewhere else. I, I think I can appreciate that to an extent, but I also feel like, especially at the national level of the federal government where we don't have any mandate to balance our budget, yeah, um, it's easy to spend and spend and spend and not really pull it from anywhere and it can be hard to get both sides particularly when you have divided government with you know maybe one party in control of the house and another party in control of the senate making those decisions that increase taxes yeah or that take money away from the military or you know those sorts of issues we still have issues with like the solvency of social security yeah. and yeah. um we didn't even talk about those i don't think at least not much in this no. debate so no i hear what you're saying but the the economy is kind of like an investment. 
it grows every year. Sometimes it grows by 3%, sometimes it grows by 1%, sometimes it grows by 6%, right? I mean, we haven't seen the days of, of economic growth like double digits like China's seen in, in a long time. But the economy is growing, and therefore the income base is going to grow for each spender, and the spending base, the tax collection base, is going to grow. So you, it, they get you coming and going, the government does. So you know, the more people that live here, the more people that spend here, the more people that work here, we are growing as a nation. The, this stuff will pay because just like any corporation that sells on the stock market, it's a growth model. I just don't. I don't think people think about it like that as often as maybe they could or should. Yeah, we don't have to get into the economic details, but go ahead. What were you going to say? All right, and yeah, I, I definitely don't have any economic expertise, but something that it seems happens to me is that we end up with democratic administrations who put a lot of investment into things like you mentioned, which will help us over the long term. Yeah, but then there becomes a shift in political will toward lowering spending to reduce. I think some people will see, you know, um, reduced problems where the government is being taken advantage of in a sense, where mm-hmm. people are maybe getting more than their fair share, I think, is a sure, concern. Sure, they're not paying taxes. Right. Yeah. And so public sentiment switches toward a more Republican philosophy. Republicans come in, and instead of reining in spending, they cut taxes for the wealthy. And yeah. it goes in this cycle back and forth that is just not a good cycle for the long term. Like, yeah. if you stuck with any one of those philosophies for an extended period of time, it would probably be okay. And I can say that based in part on what you see happening in some of the states. Like, California kind of takes the more liberal approach. Mm-hmm. Texas takes the more conservative approach. Yeah. They have the pros and cons, but they balance their budgets, and it, they are what relatively successful over the long term. But at the national level, as we bounce back and forth between these two different ideologies, it just doesn't work in terms of um, being sustainable in terms of spending. Well, and it seems like the Republicans want to spend on more military and they want to spend basically giving money away to corporations or cutting taxes or whatever. And Democrats want to spend on infrastructure, education. And uh, for, you know, positive foreign policy, not war-like foreign policy. Yeah. It seems that way. I'm not sure. Anyway, what else do we want to say about day one? Elizabeth Warren, I thought, was the clear victor. Cory Booker probably came in second place. Although I'm not a big fan of Cory. I got to be honest with you. I think he was a little bit too punchy. I think he was not that that's a bad thing to be a little scrappy, but I think he. I think Julian Castro did a much better job answering the questions. He had more policy. I thought Cory Booker sort of answered a lot of questions with stories about people that he met you know and it's like that's great i'm I'm glad that you met somebody in ohio that gave you a story that you can use here and that's why you're going to change this policy or whatever but so he answered with a lot of anecdotes and i'm not a big anecdotal guy that pisses me off yeah yeah, anecdotes definitely shouldn't be used in place of better forms of evidence, but I think they tend to resonate with people more because yeah, it's right. more concrete. Well, and he's speaking to one guy, right, that he met, and so that guy's going to be like, oh, my God, yeah. and then he's going to tell all his friends, and I don't know, maybe eventually I'll hear it, but I doubt it. Okay, so moving on to day two, or did sure. you want to talk more about day one? Um, let me just sort of go through the list of some of the topics that they covered in day one. So they okay. covered healthcare. Immigration, the Iran nuclear deal, 
One thing they did there was ask all the candidates, I think, for just sort of a show of hands as to whether or not they would have entered into the original nuclear deal as it was written or if they would accept it now as it was written. I think everybody but Booker raised his hand for that. Yeah. I also think none of them has re- have read it, so yeah, it's easy to answer that question. Yeah. Oh, as it's written? Yeah, sure. I have no idea what it says. Yeah. <laughs> it's good for us, right? <laughs> there was guns. That was a topic. Climate change. Gay and civil rights. Foreign intervention geopolitical threats and impeachment Hmm. vast and wide yeah although they spent most of the time talking about healthcare and the border immigration all right anything else no i don't think so all right okay so day two democratic debates 2020 we have marianne williamson Author and lecturer. We have John Hickenlooper. Former governor of Colorado and a mayor of Denver. Or the loop, as he's known around here. Yeah. Andrew <laughs> Yang. Is he? I don't know. I'm running in different circles than you are, I think. All right. Yeah. Andrew Yang, entrepreneur and author from New York. Uh, Pete Buttigieg. Mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Joseph R. Biden Jr. Or Joe Biden. Former VP of the United States, Senator from Pennsylvania, former Senator from Pennsylvania. Ah, currently unemployed. Uh, Bernie Sanders. U.S. Senator from Vermont and former Democratic presidential primary contender. Mm-hmm. Kamala Harris. U.S. Senator from California, former Attorney General of California. Kirsten Gillibrand. U.S. Senator from New York. Michael Bennett. U.S. Senator from Colorado. Eric Swalwell. U.S. Representative from California. Okay. I kind of kicked it off last time. Okay. Do you want to kick it off this time for day two? Sure. I'll kick it off this time. Well, let's see. Who would I cut first? I think that I would cut... I'm going to go with Marianne Williamson. Get rid of Marianne? Yeah. Yeah. I thought she was interesting to have in. Author, lecturer, she had some very different focuses mm-hmm. and ideas than everybody else, and I appreciate hearing stuff like that, but I don't think that she'll last in the long term. If I remember correctly, she called out the pharmaceutical industry directly. She called out the healthcare industry directly, talking about how their negative impact on public health is becoming not just a concern but an, just an outbreak a widespread epidemic uh, i loved that mm-hmm. um, we do have to revamp our food system especially in in the midst of climate change we do have to worry about what we're putting into our bodies and how how much we're drugging the population we we have so many drugs and hormones in our systems that our our septic tank system our our you know public water system is becoming just drenched in this stuff it's it is something to talk about is she a president of the united states Mm, probably not probably not with it not without executive uh, experience probably not without really any political experience yeah um but i I, she was a breath of fresh air i mean she really she really nailed uh the topics that she grabbed onto although she was very quiet i thought during the majority of the debates would you keep her in to get that fresh perspective? Nope. No? Gone. Okay. 
I agree. So far, we're like almost in complete agreement. Yeah. This is interesting, John C. Are we sharing a brain? Perhaps. Is that why I'm so dumb? <laughs> you have the other half of my brain? Um, all right. Okay, I'm just going to... John Hickenlooper. The loop. He's Aww. gone. Aww. See you, John. Bye, John. Nice to know you. Um, honestly, I, I don't even... He, he did, I don't think he had one thing of substance to say. I, I'm not trying to be negative. Uh, all these people said at least one or two things that I was like, yeah, that's my boy, or that's my girl. Like, go, you know? That's awesome. But John didn't have anything unique. I, don't, I didn't see him bring anything to the table. He was, it was more of an introduction of who he was, is, is what the first debate was for him. Yeah. Um, maybe he'll make it to the second de- round of debates or whatever. Um, I kind of hope he does just because maybe we'll get to know more about him. Maybe he'll surprise me. Um, I was certainly full on in the debates in 2016 and my, you know, my thoughts shifted from debate to debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as uh, making the first round, I don't think he made the cut. I think that's fair. He also didn't make the cut for me. Yeah. I didn't have especially strong feelings about him. He did have one maybe gaffe where he kind of claimed credit for marijuana legalization in Colorado, whereas Mm. he was opposed to it when he was governor. Yeah. I heard him say it'll be an interesting social experiment. Really? Is that what it is? The social experiment? He makes it sound like, I don't know, ethnic cleansing or something. Like, it's not a social experiment, dude. We want to smoke a joint every once in a while, okay? you're, You're a social experiment freak anyway no he's not a freak i'm just kidding so just speaking to some of my own biases i was mentioning offline that i think when i've heard john john hickenlooper speak he comes across better than when i see him speak yes and you know it's just one of those weird kind of biases that i don't feel proud about yeah yeah but i think it was the case here yeah i didn't get the same vibe but i did get like just the non-answer answer yeah he sounded like he was parroting bernie ideas which i think in day one a lot of people parroted bernie ideas and then day two they tried to sort of avoid that because bernie's like sitting right next to him and he was just gonna go oh i thought of that like two and a half years ago you know i've been saying that for 50 years or however old he is he's like 106 yeah okay his hesitation i think comes through there's more visible when he's speaking when you see him speaking than when you just hear him speaking he speaks on Colorado or he used to speak on Colorado Public Radio a lot mm, yeah. and when he was governor and I, I always excuse me, appreciated and enjoyed those conversations that Ryan Warner had with him mm-hmm. I uh, think it was once a month I yeah, think they I think did so, every something like first that. Tuesday or something like that yeah so yeah. I know that he can come across very well yeah, he speaks well on the radio polished. Yeah. and I hope if he sticks around that more of that comes through yeah I hope he, he settles in a little better yeah all right, who else? Who's the third person to cut? I'm going to go with Andrew Yang. You're getting rid of Yang? Getting rid of Yang. Oh, yeah. man, I was going to keep Yang. Oh, so I appreciate that he's a forward thinker considering how to organize our economy in the event that automation gets rid of a lot of our jobs. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that he adds that, that he's thought about it. And I think as an activist candidate, it's good to have him in there and getting people thinking about the idea. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we're ready for it. What, what aren't we ready for? Just out of curiosity. I don't think we're ready for universal basic income. Yeah. 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 I think it'll take more years of people thinking about it and more years of people seeing automation get rid of jobs. Yeah. And just kind of understanding that there are alternative ways of proceeding. I'd like to keep him. 
Okay. We're going to get rid of him because we're, we're just going to go with what we say. But I would have kept him because I think we need a. I don't think he was going to get it. I don't think he was mm-hmm. going to get $1,000 a month for every American in his if he if he wins a presidency right what i think he would do is lay the groundwork for a system like that so maybe a thousand dollars a month per american under a certain income level or with a certain amount of years out of job or whose job just got automated away or something like that but we get us we get the system we understand the logistics of it we sort of get a template to work from and then maybe four or five maybe even six presidents from now um, depending on how many terms, we we actually see a full fledged system, and it would have yeah. to probably go up to twelve thousand a year isn't probably enough. But so I'd say maybe a secretary of something. Sure, he could be on the yeah. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Oh, who else am I going to cut here? Definitely Michael Bennett. Sorry, Mike. Uh, you're a cool guy. Uh, you did a great job for Colorado as a senator. You're still a senator. Is he still a senator? He's a senator right now, isn't he? He's a senator. Yeah, yeah. he's a senator. Mm-hmm. He does a good job here in Colorado. He's open-minded. He's forward-thinking. Um, but I just, uh, again, these are parroted Bernie. Everybody in the Democratic Party running for president right now is parroting one Bernie idea or all of them and then has one sticking point, and he's another one. I think you could say other than Elizabeth Warren who came in with her own set yeah. of ideas and a plan to, to reach them. Other than that, I think, well, there's one other exception to that, but other than that, I think uh, everybody's just pretending to be Bernie. He felt a little bit scatterbrained to me at times. And yeah, it just didn't resonate to me as somebody who I thought could compete against Donald Trump. That, well, Maybe that's taken a little bit too far. He did come across a scatterbrain. Doesn't mean he couldn't compete against Donald Trump. I was surprised, I think, after the debate, debate to hear that other people had a better view of his performance than I did. Yeah. So maybe I was he's surprised. a stronger candidate than I appreciate. Now, I think he, I, I heard some of the same stuff, and I was surprised to hear that too, because I didn't think he did very well. I thought he did as well as would be expected, you know? Yeah. Um, but. I was also surprised to hear that Bill de Blasio from day one was getting praise for his performance. I praised him for his performance. I was like, oh, my God, he's he's killing it, right? Like, he did a great job, I thought, but I still don't think he's going to make the cut. Yeah. I don't. I, I cut him. Like, I don't, he did great, but I don't think he's good enough. Um, and it was the opposite for Bennett. I, I heard, uh, you know, I didn't think he did very well, and then other people were like, I thought he did great. I was like, oh, well, shit, I guess I was, must have been getting coffee or something. Yeah. Okay. You get to cut somebody. All right. I'm going to go with Kirsten Gillibrand. Kirsten. Kirsten. Or Kirsten, I guess. I don't know. Depends yeah. on how you pronounce. Not sure which. I so didn't know I, who she was. I didn't either. No idea. And I, I welcome people to call me out on this, but I thought she came across uh, as, like, her interrupting was just a little bit over the top for me. I got the sense that there were some people who did that during the first day, and it maybe worked out for them. Yeah. And so I suspect that the thought was that it might work out for her, but it just, it wasn't working for me. Um, Kirsten, a little word of advice. You kept saying, may I just add, or could I please say, if you're going to interrupt, just interrupt. You come across as pleading or begging when you ask for permission to interrupt. De Blasio just came in and said, look, this is how it's got to be. I mean, he started laying down in the law, right? And people shut up and listen. If you're going to interrupt, do it right, interrupt. And 
that's taken from somebody who's an interrupter. Yeah, and and I'd also say of all the candidates, when you really have some expertise in an area, like there were times when she did, there were times when like Julian Castro did, or when Kamala Harris, for instance, was like, I'm the only black person on the stage. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. like really have more expertise than everybody else in the area, feel free, interrupt. But if you're just trying to get a word in every opportunity you can, like dial it back. Yeah, I, I thought, yeah, I agree. I agree totally. So she didn't make my cut either. And uh, for slightly different reasons. I thought, honestly, that she was just there to sort of support Bernie. I thought she sort of, she almost literally parroted him. He would say something, she would say the exact same thing. He would say something or somebody would say something against Bernie, she would stand up for him. So honestly, I think she was just, she was just sort of Bernie's friend. I don't know if that's how she got in. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying, instead of putting down her own thoughts and ideas to the world, she either backed up Bernie or defended Bernie, or parroted something, like, word for word. All right, we're getting rid of another one. We have to. Day two, after you got rid of Andrew Yang, he was my number five. Yeah. I'm going to get rid of Eric Swalwell. All right. Uh, Is he the pass the torch? He's the pass the torch guy. Pass the torch. Pass the torch, right? I think you're right. Yeah, Eric was the pass the torch guy. Yeah. Uh, Listen up, Eric. Uh, You don't get the torch passed to you, okay? You have to go in there and take the torch, okay? Nobody's going to give you the torch. If I learned one thing from the movie The Departed, it's a little speech, a monologue that Jack Nicholson says in the first five minutes, right, of the movie. And he says, I'm not going to quote him because it's disgusting what he says. Essentially, what he says is you have to go in there and take it. Nobody's going to give it to you, right? So, Eric, I love your enthusiasm. You actually had some great policy, but there is no passing of the torch. You're going to have to trip Joe Biden, punch him in the face, and take the fucking torch. That's how it works. That was that was moving. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. I need to see that movie. You haven't seen The Departed? I have not seen The Departed. Oh, you need to watch Jack Nicholson snort cocaine off of a hooker. I think so. Yeah, I think you do, too. <laughs> if you don't, we can arrange that, by the way. I'm people who know people. Not Jack Nicholson, but yeah. we can snort something off of a hooker. Maybe it's not going to be cocaine. I'll pass off of the hooker, but what? maybe if Come I can on. find someone more willing. You keep <laughs> passing on everything that I say. You want a willing snorty? Um, what about let's, let's what about one of those ladies that you topics. eat sushi off of? Would you do that? Would you eat sushi off a naked lady? You said you love sushi. I know you wouldn't I'm a eat sushi. sushi fan, yeah. But but like let's say you decided to be a pescatarian again. Bronson. Stop it. Bronson's loving up on Chauncey. If I if I decided to be a pescatarian again, I'm gonna pass on that one too. You're, oh, Sorry. I can't nail you down to anything. You'd be a great presidential candidate. <laughs> All right. So Eric, what do you got for, for us on Eric? I think pretty much the the same impressions. He, yeah, the the pass the torch thing. It's a snappy line, but you can only use it once. It's not that snappy that no. it can be your only line. No, yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, compared to some of the other candidates, so Eric Swalwell was one of the younger candidates. Yeah, thirty um, thirty something, four, five, six, something yeah. like that. Thirty eight, maybe. And uh, he looks young too. Yeah, and there's some some value in maybe having that different perspective than a lot of the candidates who've been around for a, for a while longer, but you've then still got to kind of distinguish yourself from the other people who fit that mold. And I don't feel like he did. I feel like compared to Pete Buttigieg, he was just 
kind of there and trying to claim some credit for you know stuff he didn't really earn it for yeah i'm not passing any torch all right so we're gonna keep or i think we we agree are we cutting anybody else no, I think I'm no. good with keeping everyone else, though I would say that Joe Biden kind of gets a pass just for being Joe Biden. I don't feel like he did a fantastic job in the debate. I have something specifically I want to talk about that. So. Okay. But let's just go down the line. So we have Pete Buttigieg. We have Joseph R. Biden Jr. We have Bernie Sanders or Bernard. I think we're going to start calling him Bernard. And we have Kamala Harris. All right. So let's uh, where do you want to start do you want to start with the old guys or the young people mm. no preference all right let's start with the old guys okay. let's get this out of the way okay so first of all joe bernie turn up your hearing aids i don't know how many times you looked at the questioner and went eh huh what you were tilting your head you you didn't you, it was obvious you couldn't hear now i understand it's a an arena or whatever and it's loud um but everybody else could hear I think this is why Bernie answered the last two or three questions with the exact same answer. I don't think he could hear the question. I think he just parroted his, who's got the balls to take on big pharma and the corporations and the power company and, you know, the oil, big oil. So he just kept saying that. Um, and I think he actually said that whole spiel like three times. And I think it's because he couldn't hear. Um, no, you know, whatever. He can't hear. That's fine. I'm just saying, you guys, get it, you know. You gotta you gotta ask him to repeat the question or or something, but you gotta answer the question. I thought Joe Biden had the worst performance of all the all the people on both days. I think he had almost nothing to actually say. I'm really glad that Kamala Harris put him on point uh, and said, "Hey, what about this, Joe?" Uh, and kind of bashed him because I think he did poorly in that exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, his policy is obviously flawed, especially his historical policy. And then I think also that his current policy is very flawed. I don't hear any answers. I don't hear a path forward. Bernie has at least a high-level path forward that he can deliver to you on, you know, without much thought. He's already gone through it. He's already figured it out. I hear Joe Biden just saying, we need to make the world a better place. And that's it. (laughs) It's like, no shit, Joe. Yeah. Eat less pork and the world will be a better place, Joe. Yeah. I felt like Joe Biden did not do an especially good job, though I would actually say that I think some of the criticisms about his history are, I think they're fair. And I think that he should be able to get past them if he had better answers for them. I mean, he's been around for a long time. The world has changed a lot since he started legislating. Yeah. Um, If I were him, I wouldn't be standing by those decisions as well. Yeah. as, As fiercely as he did. I'd say, look, I made a mistake. Yeah. I was listening to my constituents, and at the time, this is what they wanted. Right. But I represent other people, and in doing so, I've learned that this is not something I'm, I'm willing to negotiate on anymore. Yeah. I've seen how the world has changed, and it's gotten better. Yeah. You know? And I, I think Bernie provides an interesting contrast in that he's been kind of on the right side of history, at least it seems, for a yeah. long time, even he's when it was unpopular. for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anything specific to say about Bernie? Not really. So I'll be honest with you. A lot of these debates with so many candidates, I wasn't really honing in on the specifics of their policy proposals or anything like that. I was mostly just kind of getting a high level, almost emotional sense for them. Sure. Um, And then and as a consequence, there are a number of folks who just by nature of having been around for a long time, didn't have as much of a 
hill to climb on that for me. Sure. So, you know, definitely not a very rational decision procedure uh, was being used by me on how I judge some of these candidates. But with so many candidates, I had to do something to kind of filter through the the amount of information. So with, with a lot of the major candidates, the Bidens, um, Sanders, Warren, I wasn't listening in great detail. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. Plus, I think I've heard a lot of what they had to say a lot. Yeah. They've been around saying it for a while. Okay. So a couple of specifics on Bernie. I thought he had the second worst performance in the second day next to Joey Biden. Um, after you cut out all the other people that we cut. Um, okay. I thought he, you know, he has his policy and he has his way forward. I thought he was a little too demagogue. He was acting like a demagogue a little bit. He was really trying to get people fired up. I think he was trying to test the crowd and see if he could get him to just get into an uproar. Um, I don't blame him necessarily for that, but I think that it this was one of his chances to say his ideas in a slightly different way. Um, and then I did like the fact that he's like, you know, I've got the balls to take on the big guys. Who else here says they're going to do any of that? Um, and I agree with him. I don't think anybody else is saying that. I, Joe Biden certainly isn't. He is not going to challenge the corporate America, the elites. He's not going to challenge big oil. He's not going to challenge big pharma. He's going to kind of keep going, let the train roll. He'll try to do little things where he can. I don't think Joe has a – he's not a bad guy or anything like that. I'm just saying I, I don't think he is going to really challenge – the system. I think Bernie is. Mm -hmm. Bernie was my pick coming into these debates um, for from all the candidates, but I gotta say, I changed my mind. Oh, oh my god! Interesting. I know. I know. Let's talk about uh, who do you want to talk about next? Uh, we're talking about the youngsters now. The old the old guys are out of the way. All right. So who have we got left? We've got Kamala Harris. We've got Pete Buttigieg. That's it. All right. Why don't you start us off? All right. Who do you want to fillet first? Let's go with Kamala Harris. Okay. So for me, Kamala Harris, I think, had a standout performance. I did not know much about her, knew the name. That was about it. Mm -hmm. So this was really my first time hearing her speak and hearing her debate. Mm -hmm. I didn't agree with her on everything. Neither did I. But I thought that she was probably the most effective speaker. Uh, I thought that she had a good balance between kind of emotional speech uh, mm -hmm. and more maybe policy prescriptive speech. I thought that she handled herself just maybe better than most of the other folks. Yeah. When she needed to, she kind of commanded the room. Definitely. Uh, and that's not something that's easy to do. Um, so, And she put it to Joe. She did. She put it to Joe. Yeah. She nailed him to the wall. Yeah. Yeah, and exposed his giblets for the world to see. I want to say she shut down Gillibrand at some point. Is that right? Um, when Gillibrand was trying to sort of talking over, I think maybe Gillibrand and Bernie were talking to each other. I, or something. I think actually she, Kamala said she bowed out for a second and then mm -hmm. came in later and okay. said something. So she she's like, "Go ahead, you guys bash it out for a little bit." Yeah. Then after that, she came in and she said, "You know, when somebody else has asked a question, it's right. nice if you let them answer or whatever." Yeah. And both of them were like, uh, "Tip of the hat." Yeah. Yeah. So, Sorry I mean, she, about that. She sort of came across as the adult in the room yeah, in a lot of was, situations. Yeah, she might have even said something about, "I think I'm acting like the adult here," you know, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. It might have just been like a fortunate confluence of events with the debate, but I thought that she came across very well. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, I, she was a hitman in this. She yeah. she sniped at Joe and she hit him right in the heart. Yeah, I think she pulled out a lot of things from Joe's past that we need to know about and hash out and find out where he's at with him. I think, like you said, a lot of people gave Joe Biden a pass in this one. I think maybe if we were going to give somebody a pass, we would have given Warren, Biden, and Sanders a pass. Yeah, um, but uh, I don't think Joey Biden should get a pass. I do think Warren and Sanders do, um, but I, I didn't think Biden. Uh, to me, he's a corporate Democrat, not my style of, de- of Democrat. I'm a I'm a liberal Democrat in the sense that I'm a Bernie Sanders type. Um, I understand what democratic socialism is. A lot of people just go, oh, it means you're socialist. That's not what it means. Yeah. I understand what it means. If you don't know what it means, go look it up. I'm not here to educate the whole world. <laughs> Besides, I wouldn't listen to me if I were you anyway. Uh, but but um, I'm a more Bernie-esque uh Democrat, and I, th- I was so glad that Kamala called out Joe, told us what he did, told us how it affected her, mm-hmm. and how it unlike you know how it very likely affected everybody else too. Um, and other than that, other than her sniping, which I, I she got in just because of that, for me, I didn't hear a ton of of she she also had a lot of emotional yeah. Um, she was trying to manipulate the audience emotionally, which I get, but I'm more of a content person. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really get emotional in the same way that some people do. You yeah. know, I don't hear about a little girl not being able to get on a bus and get all teary eyed. I'm like, Oh, that sucks. That used to be how it was. And you know, what did we do to change that? What was the path forward? Yeah. What was the catalyst? Yeah. That kind of stuff. I feel like to connect with a broad audience, you have to do that sort of stuff. I agree. Yeah. And it just doesn't connect with me. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the things that I think is a consequence of that, though, is that it can be polarizing. And so particularly, I think when she talks about race, I think that it will turn off a lot of Republicans. Yeah. It actually turned me off when she kind of pulled the I'm the only black person here thing. I was like, okay. But what did you think about that? Because I I, I got turned off by it. I was like, oh, you pulled the, the race card. Like, I didn't know that this was a. Uh, uh, an event where we'd be pulling cards like that, like race yeah. or or sex or whatever. So I guess I, I was more okay with it in that I think when you have a unique experience to share, whether it be on race or, for instance, I think Gillibrand had very specific experience in an area. Um, I think somebody else was the only person raising a black child or something like that. Yeah. Um, yep. Julian Castro knew more about immigration than anybody else. I think when you have... De Blasio was the one raising a black oh, son that's that right. was from the first night. Yeah. yeah. So I think when your experience maybe gives you a unique, unique perspective that the other candidates might not have, then I think it's fair to bring it up. Just being black doesn't necessarily, you know, give you that sort of experience. But um, if she brought that up and then gave a stock answer, then hopefully she would have been called on it. Yeah. No, and you know... I you're changing my mind the way you're talking about it because it, it, it makes sense the way you talk about it. I, I think I, I, maybe I have some sort of bias where I automatically assume that if somebody pulls the whatever card mm-hmm. that it's, it's a, an automatic one up and, and it's different right. though, if you're actually speaking on a very specific topic. So it, sometimes people pull it, I think when it doesn't seem to apply, Yeah. but if you're talking about black women, uh, she's like, uh, if you want to know about black right. women, I'm right here. I'm, right. I'm one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I totally get that. Yeah. Okay. Anything else about Kamala that you want to bring up? I definitely thought she made it to the second round. No questions. Yeah, agreed. Her policy wasn't 
very rich to me. I don't think yeah. that she covered all the bases, really, but I maybe in future debates we'll get to hear more about her continuing policy. Okay, so stole the show for me. He's my new pick. I came gotcha. in thinking Bernie was the man. Bernie had a bad performance. Um, I'm still not writing Bernie off, uh, but Pete Buttigieg. Okay. He's, he's, uh, he could be the next president of the United States, as far as I can tell. Yeah. What did you think about Pete and his performance? I was impressed with Pete. I had heard him once on the PBS NewsHour, mm-hmm. had a generally positive impression of him, mm-hmm. had some reservations given that he's only been a mayor. Mayor of South Bend. Mayor of, yeah, mayor of an Indiana town. place, yeah. Right. But I think he came across to me as competent. I think he maybe had the best balance of, well, I actually won't say that. I'll say I think he had a decent balance of presenting, like, reasonable opinions and approaches and also maybe pulling in some more anecdotal type stuff. Mm -hmm. I think he's probably... I don't want to say like the smartest person on the stage, but you see, he comes across to me as a very intelligent yeah. uh, person who has thought about a lot of these things for, for a while. So I'm rambling a little bit, but let me say that I, I thought Pete Buttigieg did a very good job. He, I think, hit on a point that you'll probably bring up here shortly that is relevant to secular folks. Um, and I, I generally like him and hope to see him go forward. I was surprised that... He didn't seem to get as much of a bump as I expected that he'd get. Um, I think a lot of people kind of had him on their list of people to listen out for, like I did. I listened, and I was impressed. I'm wondering if a number of other people listened but weren't as impressed as I was. Yeah. What bump did you see? Or did you, what? So I saw a poll that had Biden's numbers go down, but he's still, I think, possibly above everyone else. Um, yeah, well, he was think, more than double everybody else the last time I saw. So. Yeah. I think Warren went up. Um, who else went up? Kamala Harris definitely went up significantly. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Buttigieg was in the top five. He didn't go up. I'm not sure if he went up, but he was still under 5%, I think. Ugh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Well, it's early. I think we have to kill Big Joe before anybody is really going to... I think he has to be slain, just yeah. like Kamala did. All right. Well, Pete, I thought he had the least anecdotal, even though he did have some anecdotes. But they they didn't come across as anecdotal. They weren't set up in that way. Mm-hmm. He took responsibility for yeah. the death of, uh, I can't remember the name, but somebody was shot in Indiana very recently um, by a cop. And he took personal responsibility for that. I thought that was hugely admirable. It shows he has an ethic and, and a morality that's based in humanity. Um, right. So he's a humanist. He's not just a, he is Catholic, raised Catholic but he's not your garden variety Catholic, it sounds like. Um, And he handled that interaction, I think it was with either Andrew Yang or Swalwell, put him on point with that, saying, why don't you you just uh, fire the chief? You know, you fired the other guy, you didn't fire the chief. And I thought he handled that really well. Yeah, he, he came across to me as someone who, when he makes mistakes, is willing to acknowledge them. Yeah, he came across as maybe more more willing to express his humanity than a lot of other folks. I think a lot of other folks are uncomfortable for political reasons, admitting fault, admitting failures. Sure. And I can understand that to an extent because I'm sure there's a history of people who have admitted things and gotten raked over the coals because of it. Sure. But I find it refreshing when people 
come across as people as opposed to just politicians. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's a hard job to run anything <laughs> and, um, people are going to make mistakes and if they're willing to own up to them, I can generally appreciate it. Sometimes people make mistakes repeatedly mm -hmm. and no amount of owning up to them is going to exonerate them. Right. But it, mistakes and errors are going to happen to everyone. So I'm personally willing to accept the acknowledgement of some of that. Well, and I like the fact that he took on the responsibility as if he'd pulled the trigger. Yeah. He didn't pull the trigger. He had to deal with a situation. He did what he thought was going to be best. There were people that disagreed with his decision. He said, I couldn't save that kid. I failed. But I did everything I, you know, he did everything he could. He made changes in the administration and in his administration mm -hmm. to, to deal with it. And And honestly, you know, it's kind of a shoulda, woulda, coulda, right? I mean, what can you do? The kid's already dead. And he did as, he did everything he could. Yeah. He, he was talking about all the different trainings that they went through and, and just all of it. So I didn't, I didn't judge him too harshly on that. And I, I gave him a lot of respect for just saying, hey, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I did everything I, I thought was going to work, and it didn't work. And that happens. Failure happens. I, I, I honestly think he's the kind of guy, and maybe I'm wrong, but the sense I got is he wouldn't make the same mistake again. Yeah. Um. So on to the thing that Pete said that I thought really made him stand out. He took on the religious right, and he took them on head on. Uh, he called them out by name. So here we have a clip from Pete Buttigieg, night two of the Democratic debates. We've got to talk about one other thing, because the Republican Party likes to cloak itself in the language of religion. Now, our party doesn't talk about that as much, largely for a very good reason, which was we are committed to the separation of church and state, and we stand for people of any religion and people of no religion. But we should call out hypocrisy when we see it. And for a party that associates itself with Christianity, to say that it is okay to suggest that God would smile on the division of families at the hands of federal agents, that God would condone putting children in cages, has lost all claim to ever use religious language again. Vice President, I... That's right, baby. So this is interesting to me because Pete was raised Catholic. He went to Catholic schools. He has a Catholic high school listed on his uh, education. A lot of people stop at college. Um, so he's obviously very proud of that. Um, he's known as a Christian. He's also apparently got the fundamentals of the Constitution down in his head, uh, specifically that of separation of church and state. Um, let's talk about that for a second. What did you think about his comments on separation church-state? I thought it was refreshing. I mean, he made a point of bringing that up. He, he wasn't pushed into a corner to have to address the issue. No. He brought it up of his own volition, and so I thought that was nice. It was nice, and it was a nice change of subject. It was a nice pivot. He entered into the conversation with some rigor, like he had some force behind his words, mm -hmm. but he wasn't overly uh, bashing or anything like that, I thought. Um, now, speaking specifically about his comments on the religious right and how they are claiming Christianity, they're the party of God. Um, what, what were your thoughts when he went into that direction? I honestly didn't see that really coming i thought maybe he'd stick on separation church state but then to attack the christian right specifically saying essentially that they're 
well, he didn't say they're not Christians, but they claim Christianity as if the the democratic left is going to reclaim it somehow. I don't know. What, what did you think? Yeah, I, I was surprised that he went on the attack there. It seems like it could be risky for a candidate to, to do that. And Very. so I, I don't know if there was a political calculation behind it. But I guess we'll see what happens over the coming months if he revisits that line of attack or if he moves away from it. Yeah, I mean, if it hope- costs him anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that you were saying earlier that he didn't get a bump and you thought he would. I thought he would, too. I think his is, might be the bump that comes after he justifies those statements. Mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that he comes under fire for what he said so that we can hear where that came from. Yeah. Is he just basing this on, well, those aren't real Christians, I'm a real Christian kind of rhetoric? which you would hear from an apologist or just any douchebag that thinks that they're a real Christian and I, and this other person isn't for whatever reason, um, because who's to say, right? But if he actually has a humanist answer to that or if he actually has some sort of logic, and from what he sounded like, he sounded like a pretty logical and reasonable guy. So I suspect there's something underpinning that. I would really like to hear it. I think as soon as he as that comes to light, Maybe it already has, and I haven't followed his interviews as of late, but on a national level, I think, on this type of stage, if he's able to follow that up with something that really ties it back into the Constitution or ties it back into why we can't be infighting about you're a Christian and I'm not, it's about humanism, then I think he has a real chance. And I thought it was, yeah, like you said, it was really refreshing. I was like, oh, yeah. The only person I've heard in the last maybe three or four election cycles, presidential election cycles, that has said anything about separation of church state. Yeah. I mean, can you, have you? I'm not sure that I'd remember, but. I don't know for sure, but. But Yeah, I don't, I don't recall it. Anyway, I don't recall it. And that to me is one, one of the key issues that we face. Yeah. Um, We have way too much representation from the religious. Um. And I'm not saying we need more representation from the irreligious or the anti-theists like myself. I do think we need separation. I don't. I think you should check your your religion at the door. Is is really you know we're talking about human beings here, not God. So yeah. why are we why are we bringing God into the halls of legislature or government? Maybe yeah. Yeah. So I'll be I'll be keeping an eye out. I'm curious as to if he'll do an interview on Fox News, for instance. I think he was one of the candidates who did a town hall on Fox News. It'd, it'd be interesting to see him interviewed post-debate and if that topic comes up and how he handles himself. I'm definitely going to go find everything I can on Pete. Now that I'm back from the mountains, I yeah. am going to focus on two things. We won't talk about the first thing, and the second thing is Pete Buttigieg. I just want to know, what what did he say What you know over the past, let's say, six months? Mm-hmm. And what has he said since this debate? Yeah. And where does he stand? Because I didn't know anything about him. And I just didn't. He just looked like a little wholesome something or another. I didn't, you know, I was like, Bernie, 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 Kamala, Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now, or, you know, Elizabeth or whatever, now I'm like, huh, this guy's actually got something to say. I mean... That, to me, was a unique statement, and it's definitely getting me digging in more. Yeah. All right, Chauncey. Let's have some eye contact here. Let's <laughs> let's get down to nitty-gritty here. All right. <laughs> What's going on at the Hub that people need to know about? Um, let's see. Stand by and pull up the calendar. Oh, I thought maybe you had something off the top of your head. No. I've got a hike next weekend. Well, tell us about it. All right. So next weekend, I'm going to be at White Ranch Park with some of my favorite people. 
it's just to the west of Denver, kind of just beyond the foothills. And it's going to be a, a good hike for both beginners and people who've got a little bit more experience. It's about four and a half miles total, but it's designed in kind of a figure eight. So we're back near the cars, about two miles in, two and a half oh, miles in. Okay. So if anybody wants to bail out early, that would be a good opportunity. All the can go home, <laughs> cry, rub or, their feet. Or the people who just have other things to do. Hmm. Or, or working, working Workers. their way up building yeah. their stamina over time yeah. as we all have done so that is uh, something you can look forward to if you like to hike it's going to be at 9 a.m saturday the 13th of july all right well uh let's see here sunday july 7th at 10 a.m well this will probably be published right at that time but anyway the pancake breakfast coffee and community pancake breakfast we have uh, a pancake breakfast i believe it's every first Wait, sunday crap, of the tomorrow month. yeah that's tomorrow or today or whatever it's today it's now <laughs> it's happening right now oh my goodness it's sunday the 7th of july it's the first sunday of every month is that correct johnson that's correct yeah okay so we have a pancake breakfast it's eight dollars uh for everybody i think um is it more for non-members or is it eight ten dollars for non-members okay it's ten dollars for non-members it's eight dollars for members go get a membership get your discount the pancake breakfast is off the hook you meet new people all the old fogies are there everybody shows up it's a really good time there's tons of fruit there's tons of vegetables well not vegetables there's tons of pancakes there's tons of eggs and bacon and sausage you get to meet mugsy becky's bulldog maybe if she brings him get to meet bronson if i bring my dog Definitely get to meet Paul and Chauncey. You going to go tomorrow? I think so. Awesome. Okay. Also, Sunday, July 7th at 1 p.m., Humanism at the Hub features talks from the AHA Conference and more. That's the American Humanist Association Conference and more. Uh, Monday, July 8th at 6.30 p.m., Freethinkers AA. Uh, Tuesday, July 9th, 5.30 p.m. is Newbie Night. I assume it's pizza. It doesn't say pizza here. It should say free pizza. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't been to Numi Night in a few months. Anyway, Mish usually makes pizza. Mishalak. Yeah. He usually makes a killer pizza. And if you bring toppings, he will cook them for you. I brought a turnip, and he found a way to make it work. It was awesome. Turns out turnips and pepperoni, delicious. Huh. Yeah, who would have thought, right? I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, Thursday, July 11th at 6.30 p.m., Hub Members Movie Night. Do we know what movie? I don't know what movie, but if you are a Hub member and you go on to the sort of internal website, Hub Online, you can check it out. <laughs> so it doesn't say what movie. Unbelievable, but it does say Secular Hub members are invited to hang out and watch a movie on the big screen at the Secular Hub on Thursday nights. Drinks, snacks, and popcorn will be available for sale, and they sell them for really cheap. I mean, it's worth it. Bring five bucks, get pigged out on candy and, and, and sugar, and you'll be great. Doors open at 6.30, movie starts at 7. It's a running weekly event, and what it says the movie selections are listed on Movie Night blog on the Secular Hub online website. Yeah. So go to the blog. Go to our website. Uh, Saturday, July 13th, 9 a.m. That's the hike that Chauncey just talked about. Yep. It's going to be a blast. Chauncey's going to be there. Saturday, July 13th at 9.30 a.m. is a Freethinkers AA. Saturday, July 13th at 11 a.m. is SNAP, Survivor's Network of Those Abused by Priests. Uh, I've never been to that. 
I have not either. I'd like to go for support, but I haven't been there. That t- takes us through next week. Oh, hold on. There's one more. Oh, so me. Saturday, July 11th at, let's see, it looks like doors open at 4.30. Presentation starts at 5. There's a talk called Cradle of Humankind, Travels of a Darwin Groupie. And so this is going to be presented by Michonne Scott. She's a science writer for climate.gov and a web designer at the National Snow and Ice Data Center in Boulder. She has spoken at the Hub before, is probably one of the best speakers that we have had come speak. So I do recommend coming, checking her out, listening. I think you will enjoy it. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how I missed that. Oh, it was just off the screen. At, at 3 p.m. on July 13th, Death Cafe. What is Death Cafe? Is it where they talk about death? It is. That's apropos, then. Apropos of? The name. Oh, yes. Death Cafe. Gotcha. Yeah. I was thinking some people might have died. I don't even really know what apropos means, but I just like to say it. It sounds French, and I don't speak French. But yeah, it's it's an opportunity to talk about death. It's a subject that I wouldn't say is necessarily taboo, but you don't necessarily talk about that, that often amongst friends. And it can be pretty important, I think, some of those topics through and to have an outlet to have those discussions. I went there and got some information on how to kind of plan out end of life considerations. So there's a particular form that I got access to. I learned a little bit about powers of attorney and wills and those sorts of things and ended up having a conversation with my family as a result of attending Death Cafe to better understand what their end of life wishes are and share mine. That's awesome. Yeah. I need to go for sure. Um, I'm definitely going because I always go to the Saturday uh, science talk. Can't believe I forgot to mention it. Cradle of Humankind. That sounds awesome. It's going to be all about the East Coast of Africa. I'm I'm assuming. Oh, Oh, no, no. no. Travels of a... Oh, it's a... Yeah, of a Darwin groupie. Well, Cradle of Humankind is in East Africa, so... It's got to be about that. I love hominids. I love talking about our ancient ancestors. There's like 18 of them. There might be more now. I don't know. They discover them all the time. All right, Chauncey. That's what's going on at the Hub. Where is the Hub, anyway? It's at 3100 Downing Street in Denver. Unit C. So if you know the Denver area, it's kind of near the intersection of the Five Points, Coal, and Whittier neighborhoods. Hmm. It's right by the light rail stop. It is, yeah. It's just across the street, and I think it's Super up like convenient. two blocks. Yeah. Maybe three. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a liquor store. Stop in there on your way and patron that lovely establishment. I love that place. Guy's I don't awesome. think I knew about that. They don't have a great selection, but it's a really nice guy that runs that place. We have to send good juju to our, our local people. All right. Final thoughts. Chauncey, what do you think? We, we were saying at the beginning of the episode, if you had to pick two, can you, can you pick two? You said you didn't think you could, but we just hashed out a lot of information here. Do you think, have I said something? Have you thought of something since the beginning of the show? If you had to pick two Democratic candidates, do you think you could do it? So as I mentioned, my kind of decision method at this early stage wasn't very rigorous, yeah. but some of the folks that I really liked were Buttigieg, thought he came across very well i really enjoyed listening to and hearing kamala harris debate but there are still a lot of other candidates who i thought did a good job and who i would like to see continue to contend for that top spot i think that the debates that 
happen going forward and the discussions that folks have in town halls and elsewhere will sharpen them or also will sift some of them out yeah i think it's an important part of the process to go through all this it's got to be a pain to be them but i think it's helpful in identifying who can be the best person to compete against our current president in 2020 Mm -hmm. so looking forward to all of that well i don't think i could do two but i know i could do four okay i could do four i could do kamala harris not in any specific order, but Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Pete Buttigieg. Okay. Those would be my four. If we had to cut everybody but four right now, I think that would be it. And maybe Booker, but I didn't really like Booker that much. I got to see more of these guys. I want to yeah. see more of Gabbard. I want to see more of uh, Klobuchar, Booker, um, O'Rourke, and then all the people that I just said. Because I, I don't even know that much about Elizabeth Warren, other than that she's, like, a super Democrat, you know, and she actually killed, like, I think she's killed people just by looking at them. I think she can, like, yeah. you get on one of those where you have to testify, and she just looks at you, and the, the dude just, like, pisses his pants, yeah. you know? That makes me laugh. I like that. Um, all right. So... FYI, I think the criteria for making it into the next debate are the same as the criteria that got you into the current debate. Mm. So I think it's probably still going to be a pretty large field. Sure. So hopefully we'll learn about a lot more about the folks who we got to learn a little bit about this time around. And Yeah, I hope they change the subject. I want to yeah. see, like, who here believes in evolution? Hmm. You know, raise the hands. Yeah. Who, who thinks Darwin got it right, at least partially or whatever yeah you know? and i think they're gonna do another kind of random selection again on who gets day one who gets day two so yeah. we'll see different people interacting with each other that could be helpful that would be helpful i also want to hear like who here has solar panels on your house mm. you know who here drives an electric car yeah who like walks the walk yeah 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 who here uh you know doesn't have somebody locked in your cellar or whatever i don't know you're a humanist right so show you know prove it yeah. i don't know i'm just saying i want to know some more specific stuff about these guys and find out, you know, how are you raising your kids and how are you, um, you know, how do you, how do you plan on moving the country forward? What's your actual plan for education? Right. Funding. The only one I've ever heard is Bernie. Everybody else just goes, Oh, what he said. Yeah. I don't know. Taxpayers. All right. That little wine from Bronson is probably our cue. Are you you good or do you want to keep going? I think I'm I'm good. Let me take one quick look through the topics from the last day and see if I have any other notes. Oh, yeah, yeah. You wanted to run down the topics of day two. Yeah. So day two's topics, immigration, geopolitical foe, race, diversity, partisan gridlock. That was actually, I thought, an interesting topic. We'll come back to that in a minute. Women's rights and climate. So Mitch McConnell got uh, his, his ears must have been burning. There was a lot of talk about Mitch McConnell during yeah. the debate. What are you going to do about Mitch? Yeah. yeah, I thought that was interesting. And I, I think it maybe speaks to the role that he's taken on in our political system. So Yeah, he's, he's the son of a bitch. Yeah. He's the doorstop, right? If there, was a, if there was a place to do an enema, he's where you'd put the tube. <laughs> is, that, is that what I'm hearing? There's a blockage. We've got a blockage. There's... There's a lot of Swiss cheese in the system, and its name is Mitch McConnell. 
Yeah, I can't say there were too many Mitch McConnell fans on the debate stage that <laughs> didn't night. Seem to be. <laughs> no, I'm not a big fan of him either. To be honest with you. But. Yeah, I, you know, I wonder if he's sort of taken on the role that Pelosi took on in the last debates. Um, she was kind of the foil for Republicans everywhere. Yeah, and I imagine Mitch McConnell will be that for Democrats this year. She the next year. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. She was the minority at that time, right? Now she's the majority, but she was the minority during those other debates. Yeah. When she was getting the, she was the butt. I think so. Of every joke. Yeah. Cause so last it's interesting. Was... Now Mitch is the minority and he's the. Um, Mitch is the majority. I think he's the Senate majority leader. Oh, he's Senate. I'm sorry. I was thinking House. I'm sorry. Pelosi's House. Yeah. Mitch is Senate. Yep. Okay. So he's the leader. Okay. Well. Yeah. How the ties, they change. Uh, what, okay. else, what else you got? Anything? That's all I've got. You getting hungry? Um, I'll probably be hungry here. I should. You really, eat? I should. Yeah, you let's gotta eat. go. Let's eat. I'm okay. good. Awesome. That's what I'm talking about. It's-